Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. The very last core value, the revival lifestyle. We've already been kind of pressing into it a little bit. We just talked about, and for those of you who are new with us, you know, all of our messages are archived on YouTube. You can catch them on our Facebook channel, on YouTube, you know, uh, on our podcasts. They're out there. So if, if this is the first message in what has been a year-long series, but recently we've been more narrow in what we've been focusing on, I would encourage you just to go back and get some of that information. But what we just spoke to this previous week was the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom, this kingdom core value that we get to operate in. And obviously on the one hand, we talked about the sense in which we are, all, we are partnering with the body of Christ for the will of God to be done in the sphere of influence that he's granted to us, Right? But what we've been pressing into and what relates more specifically to the revival lifestyle is the aspect of that which he has reinstated the original commission that he gave to Adam and Eve all the way in the very beginning. Do we remember? This is, all, this is just a bit of a reminder just to get us back in the groove. We talked about the kingdom, that the sense in which we are, well, one, we've been commissioned to identify on earth that which is out of sync with heaven, Right? Isn't that what we talked about? That that, that was the that, that Jesus in, in addressing his disciples, that he was actually showing them what the reinstatement of the original commission to go and subdue the earth, to, to multiply, subdue the earth, and to rule and reign with him, to expand the kingdom of God across the face of the planet, that Jesus actually was saying, and, and here's how you're gonna do that. You know, the, the disciples, they came to him, like, help us to understand this point. Help us to understand how to pray. He says, I want you to pray like this, on earth as it is in heaven. So, so he's immediately giving us a model that we can wrestle with, identifying those things that are in heaven. What's in heaven? The perfect rule and reign of God. The perfect expression of the king's domain, the kingdom of God, is in that place. That's the perfect model. Well, we know that there's no emotional issues there. There's no sickness, right? All that kind of stuff. Like, why is it that Jesus was able to raise Lazarus and others from the dead? Because there's no dying there either. Now, I don't want you to go too far with that. To each one of us, it says in Hebrews, it's appointed once to die. But the reason that we're able to do that, some people dying before their time, the reason that power exists, the reason the model that Jesus laid out in front of us is because people, people don't die there. So there's authority on earth to identify those things that are out of sync with the will of God and to begin to go after them, right? And part of the way that we talked about was that, that, that we would do that is even through the kingdom ethics, Right? What is kingdom ethics? It's demonstrating the righteousness of God, the, the right ways of God on earth. And we talked about last week, I asked the question, like, how many of you know you can't act like them? Right. We can't act like the world. We can't think like the world. We can't do like the world. Right? If we're out on, on, on the weekends, you know, Saturday night, you're like, hey, we got church tomorrow. No, that's okay. We can still go get drunk tonight. How many of you know those are the ways of the world? The Bible literally admonishes us, and it says, like, there's been plenty of time for you to go off into all of these crazy things, these worldly things. Now it's time to get, a, get about the Father's business. Like, it's time to put all those things behind you. You've died to those ways. You've died to that lifestyle. Now I'm calling you to be aliens in this land. I'm calling you to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm calling you out as Christ ones, as sent ones, as ambassadors from this heavenly place, you know, into this world that will not understand you, it will not look like you, and we're not to be conformed to it. 
right? So this is part of the expression uh, of the kingdom. We see it through the righteousness of God. We've already leaned into this a little bit. We see the, uh, the sense of kingdom unfolding and the, the commission to pray in the way that Jesus called us to pray. So we now know that not, not only do we have a model, which is the, the model of heaven, that which is in heaven, ultimately we're supposed to call it into being here, or let's flip that, those things that are out of sync in earth, out of sync with heaven, we're supposed to identify them, and then in this case, pray that God's will be done. So we have a model. We know what we're shooting for as it relates to kingdom, right? And now he has given us a weapon to go after it. Like how many of you are intercessors? Dana's hand ought to be, like both hands ought to be flying back there, you know, right? You know, we're interceding. We're partnering with God to identify the things that break his heart. We're identifying the things that Adam screwed up in the very beginning, but that Jesus redeemed 2,000 years ago. Amen? Right? We're identifying, we're partnering with him in this place, and then now he's empowering us in the place of prayer to begin to think differently about it. This is kingdom, right? So we have our righteous living, we have the prayer, we have the commission out of Matthew, right? We are to, actually Matthew and Mark, we are to go and make disciples, Mark adds the obvious component in case they just, they just wanted to make sure that we got it. Uh, go and preach the gospel to all of creation. How many of you know that precedes usually making disciples? Right? And so this is the other way that we see the expression of the kingdom or the fulfillment in the sense, uh, our fulfillment of this commission to expand the kingdom of God on the earth. Do we remember, again, I've already alluded to it, do we remember the definition of kingdom? One of the kids are going to get it before you guys. I heard somebody shouting it from downstairs. It's the expression of the, Pat, you let me down, buddy. You let me, you weren't even here last week. You are straight called out. Everybody look at Pat and make it, no, I'm just messing with Anyway, we went to high school together. Now you know, that's why he looks so old. It's the expression of the rule and reign of God. That's our definition of, ki- of kingdom. It's the king's domain. It's the expression of his rule and reign. There's this reinstatement of this commission. We're talking, just, just reiterating what we've already talked about. The expression of that kingdom, the, this commission that we have to establish the kingdom of God on earth. We talked a little bit about some of the ways that we would do that. One of the ways that we do that is through this thing called evangelism and follow-up discipleship. You can't have one without the other. It's broken. You know, it's reaching the lost of our sphere and then discipling them such that they begin to look like Jesus and think like Jesus and act like Jesus. How many of you know that when we do that, when we engage with God at that level, and by the way, prayer is a big part of that. When we do that, then earth begins to look an awful lot like heaven. Are we asleep? I know I got Charles Amen with me. We're in good shape. Where the revival lifestyle kind of picks up, it picks up in some ways, well, really it picks up in Mark where we touched on last week, where we have like righteous living, we have prayer, we have the sense of reaching our sphere for God, you know, and discipling, we have, we have all of those elements in kingdom where the revival lifestyle picks up is, and God has empowered you. And again, we saw that in, in the, the commissioning out of Mark, didn't we? Mark chapter 16, go preach the gospel to all of creation. It goes on, these signs will follow those who believe. I'm going to need a little more help. I'm going to need a little more help. These signs will follow those who believe. 
So, what, you know, like, these signs might follow those who believe. No, right? These signs will follow those who believe, and then it gives us a list of some crazy stuff. Am I reading the same Bible? These signs will follow those who believe. I'm, I'm commissioning you to go and identify those things on earth that are out of sync with heaven. And I'm empowering you now, both in the place of prayer, but even beyond the place of prayer, I'm empowering you to begin to become the solutions to the problem that you are now facing, experiencing, and identifying out there in the world. Jesus hasn't left us just to flounder and to try to figure this stuff out on our own. It says, he says of himself, it was better that I go so that I could send the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised me from the dead. He lives on the inside of you and he's going to empower you not only to have eyes to see like God to begin to identify the things that are out of sync, but he's going to empower you to actually be the solutions to the problem. Listen, this is the Christian job description. You know, and this is, again, this is the sense of this revival lifestyle that we jump off into. It's that, uh, as a core value, it's the sense in which, like, number one, you are the solution. You are God's plan A purpose for the earth. You, church, collectively, are the answer to the world. You are the answer to the problems. You are the answer to the lost. You are the answer to the dying. You are the answer to the broken. You are the answer to the impoverished. You are the answer. Not some pastor. Not some guy that went to seminary. <laughs> you. You were the answer. You were the one to take up the call and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. It's your responsibility. I'm just meant to equip you to be able to step into that. See, it fascinates me that when we, when we look at the... Well, let me, let me rewind a little bit. And I'm just, again, this is just... It's just too good not to repeat. <laughs> You know, these signs will follow those who believe. Believe what is the question, isn't it? And if our answer is that, well, we, we believe this simple, whittled down American gospel. Uh, what is that? It, it, it's, at its heart, it's, you know, say a salvation prayer, go to heaven someday. If that's what we believe, then every mainline evangelical church would have the list that, Paul, that, rather, that Mark gives us. These signs will follow those who believe. Remember what it said? They will speak in new tongues. They will, they will heal the sick. They will, they will do all these amazing supernatural things, right? These signs will follow those who believe. Well, why doesn't everybody have the list that Mark prescribes? Because belief goes beyond the simple gospel. It goes, it goes beyond the simple nature of Jesus died. I'm going to live in this terrible place until I finally get to graduate someday where I finally get victory. It goes beyond that. There's something way more. And, and, like, and this touches in on the, the core value of the all-sufficiency of the cross. Can you hear that? Like that Jesus paid for way more than me just to get into heaven someday by the skin of my teeth. Jesus actually paid not to get me to heaven as much as he paid to get heaven to earth through me. That's a huge paradigm shift that we've got to hear. It's the all-sufficiency of the cross. It's the reality that he didn't just do this minimal work, but he did this all-consuming work that actually reversed literally everything that the first Adam touched and messed up. 
everything. There is no exception. He reversed it all. He redeemed it all. And he's now empowered you to go preach the gospel to all of creation. What's that? It's the good news that the work is finished. It's the good news that God did something about the problem. It says that the earth is like groaning, longing for the day when the sons and daughters of God would be revealed. There's an aspect in the future, and there's a massive part of that that we're missing today. The earth itself is groaning because it was subjected to sin, and we're commissioned by God himself now to go and preach the gospel to, the crea- to all of creation. What are we preaching? The work has been completed. You don't have to suffer under the fall any longer. And then we begin to take ground like Joshua. Everywhere the heels of my feet tread, I'm taking ground for the kingdom, and I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now listen to this carefully. We're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh, the new people are like, what in the heck have I gotten myself into? See, I think think this is... Jesus didn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And if we miss it, we miss it. He's commissioned us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. What's the kingdom again? It's the rule and reign of God. So it's, it's not the gospel that says, hey, Jesus came and died, took your sins upon himself, that someday you could get to heaven. No, instead, it's Jesus came and died and took your sins upon himself (laughs) to release you and the power to go and literally like, like restore the planet back to his original intentions. The gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the king's domain. It's the gospel of the rule and reign of God. It's fulfilling the commissioning to pray like this on earth as it is in. Are you piecing it together? On earth, as it is in heaven. There's a whole lot of stuff, if we just open our eyes and look around, that we see here on planet earth that is not in the kingdom of heaven. I want to demonstrate this by going through the gospel of Matthew. It is 1104, Chiefs fans. <laughs> by the way, security, did you notice? You took care I really, appreciate, I really appreciate that. Really pre- I expected him to be escorted out, but you can see our teasing only, of course. Welcome. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Uh, so, so Jesus actually calls his disciples, who would ultimately become the apostles. You know, at the very onset, it says this, verse 23. It says, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of... I told you I wasn't a heretic. And healing every kind of disease, and every kind of sickness among the people. Listen, we cannot, we cannot miss the correlation between the preaching of the kingdom. What's the kingdom? The rule and reign of God. And, and the walking out of that, the expression of that through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. So he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And how many times did you hear Jesus go, go t- tell him the kingdom is at hand. What does that mean? means I can get my hands on it. It's right there, as short as my arms are. I can still get it. <laughs> Go tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is coming proclaiming 
the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news that because of what Jesus Christ did, the rule and the reign of God is now accessible. The rule and the reign of God is now here. The reality of this prayer that he commissions us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, it is available to you to go beyond the place of fantastical prayer and into the reality. And that's what he's modeling. What happened when the king's domain, when the king's rule and reign was proclaimed, when the king's rule and reign was revealed and expressed around Jesus? What happened? It says everybody was healed. Do we need to read it again? He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. We're midway through and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I don't know about you, this is pretty good news. It's pretty good news. And let me just say this. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear this. That he would choose us to do it is mind-boggling. Every single one of us, we looked up, we probably forgot who we are when we looked in the mirror. We forgot that we were Christ ones. And we know why we forgot. And Jesus goes, that's okay. I'm still going to release the kingdom of God through you. I'm still going to trust you on earth to identify the stuff that's out of whack, you know, both in you and around you. I'm going to entrust the kingdom to you. I'm going to entrust my power to you. I'm going to entrust purpose and destiny to you. How many of you know if you've got a big yes in your heart this morning, you can't screw it up? Because a, a sidestep, it just means... Oh, gosh darn it. I sidestepped again. <clears throat> Back to the plumb line. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wait, you mean, I, you mean I can still pray for people? Yeah. You mean I can still heal people? Yeah. You mean I can still give my money away? I mean, your money away? Yep. Yeah. Right? If there's a yes in you this morning, you're not disqualified. No matter what you came in here with, no matter what baggage, no matter who your mama was, Everything that I'm saying this morning, it, it's addressing you, and it's addressing me. This is what we get to do. This is our job description, okay? Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He, can, he brings his disciples into the posse. They're now beginning to observe him and this radical new behavior that he's exhibiting. Verse 5, he's preaching sermons, but I want you to, to recognize, I say verse 5, chapter 5. We're going to bust through this pretty quick. Chapter 5, he's preaching sermons, but what I want you to see is that he's doing it all by himself. Go back and read the gospel. It won't take you that long. After today, just, back, go, just go back and read through it all this afternoon before you go to bed. You know, Chapter 5, he's preaching sermons, but he's doing it all by himself. What's he doing? He just talked about where he's coming from. We just talked about what he's going to be doing, right? He's preaching, excuse me, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. Now he's, he's stepping into the, renew, the mind renewal process. And I think first and foremost, it's the mind renewal process for those who said yes when he said, come follow me. And they're watching him, but he's doing it all by himself. That's an important note as we continue. Verse 6. This is where he introduces the prayer. God, like your will be done. Like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But listen to this. The, the disciples actually approached Jesus. 
Now, the reason that's important is because it's the hungry that are fed. You can't miss that point this morning. The disciples, they were watching Jesus. They were listening to the mind renewal sermons. They were seeing him do some radical stuff. And somewhere along the line, they saw his relationship with Father God. And somewhere along the lines, they were like, like, can we, can we get in on this? Can we get it? Like, they were so enamored with what they saw in Jesus. They, listen, like, they didn't look at Jesus and they go, oh my God, like, this is God. And they, there is no way we could do anything like that. There's no way we could pray as a son. There's no way that we could preach as one who has authority and then discount themselves, okay? They came in the hunger of what was being stirred up as Jesus demonstrated the gospel of the kingdom right before their very eyes. They said, you're carrying something that we don't have. We don't even comprehend it. Teach us how to pray. It's the hungry that are fed. Are you hungry? And Jesus immediately invites them in. Listen, he doesn't say, except for you, Judas, you piece of dirt. You know, the Bible says of Judas that Jesus knew who it was who would betray him from the very beginning. Somehow, he's like, nope, you too, Judas. Here's the keys of the kingdom. Come pray with me. You haven't disqualified yourself. I'm still going to do a work in you, brother. Come on, you got to get that. Jesus treated sinners differently than people would like us to treat sinners then perhaps some of us even here are treating sinners in our spheres. I would admonish and encourage you to sift through those gospels and see how Father God related to them. It might be different than us. All right? So he, he calls these hungry ones in. He says, yeah, I'm going to entrust this to you. Pray like this. What's he doing? He's moved from modeling the kingdom. He's moved from demonstrating. He's moved, he's, 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 you're never going to move from those things, but he's, he's taken another step forward with them, and he's like, oh, you want to get your hands dirty? Okay, start with this. I want you to start with prayer. What's he doing? In order to fulfill this prayer, they have to now begin to see with the eyes of God. Because he's saying, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what's it like in heaven? And so now he's engaging with them. He's inviting them to engage with him, rather, uh, in this process of identifying the things on earth that don't line up. Do you see that? Right? And, and, and then he's inviting them to begin to think bigger about it. Like, oh my gosh, there's this hurricane force storm that's coming in. I guess God must be judging Louisiana. Or... Well, I see the storm coming in. I'm going to stand and take my intercessory post and the faith and the power and the authority of God and resist that which is coming. So it's a big difference. He's inviting them to, get, to begin to see the circumstances of life differently. He's beginning to, to invite them into this place where they see the things that are broken and now they're going to believe God to intervene over them. Your will be done, God. He would never invite us to pray a prayer that he wasn't willing to fulfill. Okay? Are we alive? Are we good? Chapter 7. He's preaching. He's continuing the mind renewal process. This is where they say of him, I've never seen anybody who preaches like this as a man with authority. How many of you know there's not too much further after this that then he releases that very same authority to you and me? right? 
In verse 8, boy, this is where it gets fun right here. This is where he begins to enumerate this, this, this expression of the king's domain. Look at this. By the way, I really want you to feel this this morning. People say a lot of things about, the, about God, his heart, his heart for healing. I want you to feel this as we begin to catalog one thing after another that Jesus did from now until the end of this message. Can we do that? I want you to feel it. I want it to hit you in a place that renews your mind for this. Listen to this. Verses 1 through 4, we're in chapter 8. He heals the leper. <laughs> Verses 5 through 13, he heals the centurion's servant. Pastor Misty pointed out as I was preaching this message to her, <laughs> do that sometimes, can't help myself, <laughs> you know, that, that literally Jesus, it like, you know, how many of you, the Bible doesn't record everything that Jesus did, but what it did record, it did it on purpose. And as you begin to see, you're seeing all walks of life. You're seeing Jews, you're seeing Gentiles, you're seeing people filled with faith, people that don't have any faith. You know, you're seeing little kids, you're seeing big people, like uh, the whole gamut, right? So there's nobody excluded, that's the point. All right, one through four, he heals the leper, the untouchable. Jesus touches him, sets him free. Verses five through 13, he heals the centurion's servant. Verses 14 through 17, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Verse 23 through 27, he takes authority over creation and he calms the storm. And now the storyline begins to shift again. Remember the commission. Remember the original, that we were to go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. Listen to this story now. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23. It says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Verse 24. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. Now, most scholars believe what we're actually talking about here is, is an actual hurricane. Can you imagine being in a little boat in the middle of the ocean or sea, a, a sea like this with a hurricane coming? No, thank you. They had reason to be scared, right? In the natural. Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with the waves. Picture that in your minds. I'm out. I ain't that good of a swimmer. But Jesus himself was asleep. <laughs> Bless his heart. Verse 25. And they came to him and they woke him up saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. These fishermen who were used to the sea thought they were dying. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then hmm. he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and they said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Mark says it like this. And he says, and he says to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why would Jesus rebuke them? I mean, get the picture in your mind. This is a small boat. There's a hurricane coming. They are in the middle of this bad boy. Waves are literally crashing over the boat so as to sink them into the bottom of the depths. They believe that they're going to die, and in the natural, it sure looks like it. They wake up Jesus, who somehow miraculously is sleeping through the event, you know, and he doesn't say, oh, gosh, you should have woken me up sooner. Man. No, instead, he's like, honestly, you want me to paraphrase it? What is wrong with you people? Can you imagine in that moment? I can imagine they were like, what in the heck? Like, I thought she were the God of love and all. Like, yeah, you know, what's you rebuking me? Have you seen the storm? Like, you know, I can imagine I'm thinking all kinds of stuff. But what's Jesus getting at? See, we started out in the beginning. He, he calls his apostles. He calls his disciples. This motley crew of 12 people who don't know anything about anything. 
It calls them together. They begin this process of observing the life of Christ. And on the onset of that ministry, it says, here's this one who's now preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he's healing all the sick. He is demonstrating this gospel of the kingdom, the, the will of God unfolding on planet earth, the domain of God the expression of his rule and reign. Here's this guy who is demonstrating it, and they're getting stirred up along the process. Their mind is getting renewed by the sermons that he's preaching. You can understand there's an actual intentional discipleship process happening here. Can you see it? They, they move from casual observers to hungry people because when you're around Jesus, you get stirred up, just like I think it was the road to Emmaus where they don't even know it's Jesus, but it says, man, our hearts just burned within us. How many of you know that's an experience you can have today? But the hungry are the ones who are satisfied. It's the hungry who are fed. And in this moment, as they're expressing their hunger to God, he pulls them in just a little bit more. Listen, they were never supposed to stay in the prayer room. They were supposed to get the message and go to the go room. What do we do here, Harvest? What's our process? We gather, we gather, grow, and go. Why do we go? Because Jesus said we're supposed to. Okay, we can't just stay in the prayer room. Prayer and and, and the intercessory gift is not an excuse not to fulfill the commission of God. The prayer room is meant to get you an encounter with the living God. So as to get you hungry, and as you, have, as you partner with him in this mind renewal process, you get to this place where the storms of life begin to raise up around you. And because you've seen the way that Jesus operates, because you've partnered with the one who's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, you're beginning now to see the circumstances of life differently than what you used to. And now you're unwilling to allow the waves of life to batter you and kick you all around. You're unwilling to allow the circumstances in your life to grow in the place of fear and mistrust and anxiety and depression and all the stuff that we all experience. You're unwilling to do it because you're partnering with the one who said, I want you to identify the things that are contrary to my will and my purposes, and I want you to begin to do something about it. And such was the admonishment that we find in the middle of the storm when Jesus literally says this to them, guys, have you been with me this long? Have you been with me this long and you haven't gotten the message that I've been trying to deliver to you? You know, I brought you in by observation. I brought you a little bit further to renew your mind in the place of prayer so that you could begin to see that God really will and does want to do something about it. But I never meant for you to stay there. I meant for you guys to begin to look at the circumstances of life and to identify the things that ought not to be on this earth and for you to become the solution to the problem. Did you know this morning that you're the solution to the problem? Did you know this morning that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the same Holy Spirit that empowered him to do the amazing things that we're seeing lives on the inside of you to empower you to do the very same works the Bible says. Did you know that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, those who believe will produce amazing and miraculous works. Works that do what? Works that testify of the gospel of the kingdom. The good news, that's what gospel means, of the rule and reign of God. What happens when the rule and reign of God exists anywhere? 
sick get healed? Can you see that as a baseline minimum? Are we all right? <laughs> I was told last week that I have to let you sink it in. Just, just, you're just sinking it in. I'll let, you, I'll let you off the hook. I'll let you just sink it in. I want you to see this too. I'm reminded as we look at this storm. Remember again, I think I alluded to it already, that we're called to subdue the earth. Now what's Jesus modeling to us? Remember I said we're supposed to preach the gospel to all of creation. A couple weeks ago I said, well, what are we supposed to do? It's like speak to the dirt and the trees? Like what's that mean? And the answer was yes. What's Jesus doing? Speaking to the dirt and trees. Remember the fig tree? Now he's in the midst of a natural storm. And he's speaking to it. What's he doing? He's modeling to you the authority of what it looks like not to be God, but to be a human being in right relationship with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, fulfilling the commission of God to rule and reign together and subdue the earth. He's modeling it to us in a significant way. I remember a guy, one of my teachers when I was much younger, his name was Ivan Sagol, and he was in a camp. And a bunch of young people, I don't remember what kind, some sort of a Christian camp, just cabins everywhere. They got news that a, that a tornado was coming. And the trajectory when you looked at the map was that it was going to come right straight through the center of their camp. And, you know, it's a camp. Like, it's not like you've got, you know, a bunker or something you can hide in, you know. They're platform-based cabins. You know, you're ex- as exposed as you can be. There's just, there's just nowhere to go. You know, Ivan stands up on the edge of his bed with the authority that God gave him, sticking his finger in the face of that storm. And he says, I command you to stop and to go around this camp in Jesus' name. And of course, he prayed long and hard and beyond that. You know, the next morning, they flipped on the news, having been safe from the storm, and they saw uh, the newscast trailing the trajectory of the tornado, and it walked right up to the property line of the, of the camp, and it went right over here, and it went right on around. Listen, Ivan Segal is, is no, like, you know, it's not like he's special, okay? He's just like you and me. He's just a person who says, I'm on, I want to be, be one of those who believe. <laughs> These signs will follow those who, I want to be one of those guys. Like, I, I want to do what the Bible says. Like, I, I, I want to fulfill the commission. I want to fulfill the purpose of God on my life. I want to stand in the gap and identify on this earth what is not consistent with God. By the way, you, don't, you understand Jesus calmed every storm that tried to, tried, to mess us, tried to mess him up. We have this theology that says God's sending storms to places like Indonesia because they're Muslim and they're being judged. I just don't read that in the Bible. Right? And so we're on this journey together. Like the, Ivan Segal was one of those people on this journey who was going, you know what I'm reading in the Bible? Like Jesus wasn't really a big fan of loss of human life. That kind of feels like the only loss of human life that he was into was the son who saved all the other human lives. Right? And I'm just not reading in the Bible where he sent any of these storms, you know, to destroy the lives of people for any reason. You know, so I think maybe the, uh, he's granted me the ability and the authority, the power to be able to do so. I've identified this thing now. I think I'm supposed to do something. And you know what? God did do something through him. 
How many of you know all those mamas were pretty happy that God did something through Ivan Segal that, that night? Right? Again, it's not just Ivan. Ivan's just on a journey, and God's inviting you on that journey. Are you hungry? I guarantee you there's a whole lot more than waking up in the morning and just going to work. God bless you. There's nothing wrong with work. I go to work. Right? That's not what I'm saying. But it's like we get into this rut where it's like take the kids to soccer, do this, do that. I'm exhausted. I go home. I do nothing. I talk to nobody. I don't share the gospel. I don't pray for the sick. I don't do anything. And that's not what Jesus paid for. There's just way more. Like, like how many bored Christians do we have? People that are like, man, I don't know. Like, there's got to be more. Well, the book that I read tells you that there's a whole lot more. But are you hungry? Because we can be hungry or complacent. and He'll give us either one. The fruit of either one. Are we, are we all right? <clears throat> we are doing good, Chiefs fans. We're going to continue our progression. <laughs> this is what we call the revival lifestyle, by the way, if you didn't get that. This is the core value. Going in Matthew chapter 8, we, as we continue, verses 28 through 34, uh, Jesus heals and delivers the demon-possessed. You know, I, like, I, I think we had a... Am I, am I on track? I am on track. I think we ought to rewind. Where are my other notes? Somebody tell me. Where are they at? Oh, yeah. It's the other page. We're going to start again just because I want you to get this. Listen, you know, we're in chapter 8. 1 through 4, he heals the leper. 5 through 13, he heals the centurion's servant. 14 through 17, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. 23 through 27, he takes authority over creation, subdues it. He models something tremendous to us, Right? Verses 28 through 34, Jesus heals and delivers the demon-possessed. Come on, Jesus. So good. Chapter 9, 1 through 8, he heals the paralytic. Verses 18 through 26, he raises the synagogue official's daughter and heals the woman with the issue of blood. By the way, she was hungry. How many of you know that's what that story illustrates? If, like, At the most basic level, there were a whole lot of people who had Jesus right there in the room. They had access to the God of all of creation, and none of them got what they, what they needed that day except for the hungry one who pressed through. Just saying. Verse 27 through 31, he heals two blind men who were crying out. These guys were against all odds too. Everybody was like, shut up. Yeah, it's so annoying. Like, leave the guy out. Leave the man alone. Shut your mouth. Quit crying out. For goodness sakes. How many of you know they pressed through because they were hungry? Verses 32 through 34. He heals the mute man by casting out a demon. And then we get to 35 in chapter 9 and he reiterates it all over again. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Come on. Tell me that's not good news. You again see this connection between the, the proclamation of the reality of his kingdom and then the fulfillment of that immediately on the heels of it. We're commissioned to preach the gospel of the kingdom and these signs will follow those who believe. Come on. This is good news this morning. Verse 37, just chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 says, Jesus up to this point has been the only one doing the stuff, right? He rebukes him. He's like, hey, listen, by now you ought to have been doing the stuff. 
Right? But so far, all we've seen is Jesus was the one preaching. You know, Jesus was the one healing. Right? It was all just Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus doing the stuff. And we get all the way here to verse 37. Then he says to his disciples this, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Listen, the earthly Jesus can't do it all by himself. And the spirit Jesus, if you will, to make a distinction, the spirit Jesus has chosen to limit himself to you. Right? I want to ask you this morning, is this this a valid prayer? Is this a prayer that's for today, yes or no? So like we're supposed to pray this? So when Jesus said this, like it was still for us 2,000 years later, we're, we're supposed to pray this? We're supposed to partner with him and say, yeah, uh, Lord, send workers into the harvest. Like that's, that's for us today? Can I just say to you that if you believe that this prayer is for us today, then the solution that Jesus comes up with is just as valid. Boom, count yourself tricked. Pastors aren't supposed to do that, are they? Welcome to the harvest show. Look at his solution, chapter 10. And Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. A little bit later, verse 7, he says, and as you go, listen, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When I can see the next line, I'll read it. Verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The very thing that Jesus has been modeling to them, he now calls them to do. They they started out as, if you will, casual observers in the mind renewal process. Getting to the point where they could just begin to see their world different. As they began to see their world differently they began to get hungry. And, and in that hunger, they pursued God such that he was like, phase one is partnering with me in the place of prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's not inviting them into a religious process. He's renewing their minds for the reality of what is actually possible. And he's working them to the place where when the storms of life raise up their ugly heads, both in your life and in the lives of those in your sphere, when those things rear their ugly heads, you will begin to think not fatalistically about it. Well, I guess it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. I guess this must be the Lord's will sending this hurricane through here. I guess that cancer that you've got must be God's will. And enjoy that big heap of pain and suffering. Right? So instead of beginning to think like the world, we will begin to identify those things on earth that are inconsistent with the unfolding of his will in heaven. And we, because of the mind renewal process, will begin to partner with him to actually do something about it. See, by the time that we get to this point, you have to understand the disciples became the answer to their prayer. You are the answer to the prayer. The, the, the prayer isn't just... The, the, the prayer isn't just, Father, would you please do something about all this stuff? There's just not enough workers. Would you just send workers? Somewhere in the middle of that, he's baited you. Somewhere in the middle of that, you get hungry. Somewhere in the middle of that, you start saying, no, it shouldn't be like this. And I'm supposed to do something about it. 
And somewhere in the middle of that, you stand like Isaiah and you're like, no, here I am, God, send me. I want to partner with you to do something about it. I want to be the faithful one who believes and has these things following me because I love you and I love people too much to just sit on the sidelines. See, they became the answer to their own prayers. You are the answer to the prayer. Are you hungry? All right, I'll just leave it with that. Whew, 11.30. We're doing good. You were the answer to the prayer. There is more. The revival lifestyle, this that we're talking about, is normal. The enemy has been working overtime to try to demonize anyone who would believe. Like what the Bible literally says verbatim about all this. I don't know that we'll get into it, but there's the lie that the gifts have ceased. Did you hear anything about that one? Any of those scriptures I just read? The scriptures are as relevant for you and me today as they were when they were preached 2,000 years ago. Do you believe? Are you hungry? Because the Bible also says that God is roaming around looking for someone on whom he can show himself strong. I say, here I am, God, use me. Is there anything better? We just kind of sang that a little bit this morning. Like, oh, there's nothing better. Like, I can just tell you right now there's not, man. Like, this is it. To be used by God to touch people in a way that changes their life and changes the life of a, of a region or a city. There's nothing like it. And you're the answer to the prayer. Father, this morning we, to the best of our ability, yield ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to you. God, we, like, we don't even know, honestly, like, we don't even know what we're saying when we say, yep, sign me up, boss. <laughs> That's okay. I don't need to know. In fact, it's probably best that I don't. I just know that the same people who were fearful in that boat getting kicked around by life, at least one of them got up out of that boat one day and walked across the storms of life to you. And I want to be the water walker. I I want to be the guy walking in the marketplace, minding my own business where people just got to get in my shadow because they want to touch from you. I want to be the I want to be the guy out there working at stalls, sweating on my you know sweating on my headband, and somebody's like, "Get that, steal that from him." I got somebody who needs to, needs a touch from God. I want to be that guy, God. I want to be that guy who's so overshadowed by you that I get your results and not my results. I want to be the one found believing. And so Jesus, I just said. Yeah, we just, we devote our lives to you. We lay our life down. We lay our life down to be of service to you because you are worthy, God. And you've empowered us to be the solution. We don't want to just sit here waiting for your rapture, believing that the only thing that can make it better is us getting out of this place. We want to be those who are praying, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to be those 
who observed your ministry, the one who healed every single one who came to him. You didn't afflict anybody. The one who refused to shame sinners. The one who calmed every storm that you encountered. And we want to be just like you, Jesus. Make us like you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.